0: Welcome back to It's Haunted, What Now? I'm your host, David Ginsberg. I'm hosting this episode for Lainey while she's out on maternity leave. I host a weekly podcast called Tales from the Fandom, where I talk to a different guest each week about fandoms they love. You can find it on all the major streaming sites and social media, just search for Tales from the Fandom. I'm so excited to host this spooky episode and I cannot wait to get started. Author Wendy Wonder wrote in one of her novels, The magic thing about home is that it feels good to leave and it feels even better to come back. Homes are the locations that experience the most hauntings. Is it because it's the place we feel safest during life? Is it because it holds all of our memories? Is it because no matter where we go, home is always going to be a piece of who we are? Do we leave a piece of ourselves behind? Today, we'll hear a collection of stories in which home is where the paranormal heart is. Okay, ready to get spooked? Our first story comes from Lucy Henshaw, a YouTuber and urban explorer from Northeast England. After exploring an abandoned farmhouse and posting the video to her channel, she received more information from viewers about its history and decided a revisit was in order the former patrons of the home had clear opinions on the matter. So in July 2020, I visited an abandoned farmhouse near where I live. The place itself wasn't that scary until we entered the middle of the house. This part was completely dark. There was no natural light anywhere. So we turned on our torches. Things seemed to move. A chair would move a foot or so to the right. The ladder in the front room would creak under the weight of a person, but there was no one there. We thought nothing of it because we didn't know the house was haunted until I posted my video to YouTube where I had loads of fellow urban explorers telling me the real history of the building. A father had murdered his two young children and hid the bodies in the basement, which after his trial had been sealed completely, and the mother hung herself in an upstairs bedroom. It is rumored that the mother haunts the upstairs of the house. Most say she is not violent, but she doesn't like people entering her room. In fact, her room is the only one which has decayed so badly that the floor has dipped into the front room. However, it was not her ghost we encountered the second time. Once I knew all of this, I went back. A foolish decision, but a decision no less. This time I wanted to make contact. I hoped to speak with the woman, ask her what happened in that place, why she can't move on, and if she wanted to talk to us. For a while, we walked around the house. We would hear things. A scuffle of feet like that of a person too tired to properly pick up their feet. Slamming of upstairs doors, the old basement door would move and creak, but there was no draft. And so, before we lost courage, we opened up a speaking app. I personally wasn't sure how well it would work, what with it being a free app on the Play Store but we began to politely talk to the ghost anyway. Every now and then, my phone would click, the screen would go blank and static would play loudly. I began to get spooked. Then my cousin said, what if a ghost tells us to get out? And that's what happened. As soon as she finished speaking, a yes violently came through my phone. A chill ran through my whole body all at once. It hadn't been the woman's voice. It was the angry, hostile voice of an older man. We screamed and raced out of the house so fast. Once outside, I had to take a moment because I felt as though I was going to throw up. We ended the session on my phone and left. The building is due to be demolished later this year after laying abandoned for over 30 or 40 years or so. And yet, since I spoke to the entity, I've had the same dream every night of a slightly different building. Nothing in my dream ever changed until last night. A window had been broken and a dark shadowy figure beckoned me forwards. That's when I woke up. I haven't felt quite right since going to that building and I will never be going back. You and your cousin are much braver souls than I am, Lucy. While it was hard to hear if any spirits spoke through the phone app, the way that both of you ran from the home spoke volumes about what you encountered. I would have booked it out of there as quickly as you guys did if I heard a male disembodied voice clearly telling me it wanted me gone. As for your recurring dream about the house and the addition of the shadow person, I would recommend a good saging or do whatever you believe in for cleansing and protection. Cheetah Girl 666 tells us of a time when they met their newest ghostly housemates. Every year of college, I lived in a new apartment. My favorite apartment was where I lived my junior year. I moved into a house with random roommates about five minutes from campus. I instantly fell in love with the house. It was old, with stained glass windows in the hallway and floral wallpaper my grandmother would have loved. I moved in in May and was the only person in the house all summer. My housemates were staying in their hometowns and I had a job in the area. My first creepy experience there was that summer. Quick layout of the upstairs where three of the four bedrooms were. You walked up the stairs, turned to the right, and walked up more stairs into the hallway. Directly in front of you is one room. Directly to the right is another. If you turn left down the hallway, my room was on the right, and the bathroom was directly at the end. One of my housemates had come to the house for a couple of days to grab some clothes. I was out of the house most of the time she was there. One night I slept at my boyfriend's, and when I came back in the morning, she said she would be leaving again, so for the sake of staying cool, I would keep my bedroom door open and sleep naked since no one else was there. I woke up to my bedroom door shut. I was mortified imagining my roommate running back into the house for something and seeing me naked in bed while walking to the bathroom. I put on clothes to find her and apologize, but she wasn't at home. That night, I came out of my room to wash my face before bed. I opened the door to a dark hallway and my roommate's light on, seeping under the door. I knocked on her door, and no answer. I continued my business in the bathroom when I heard the door creak behind me. I looked up in the mirror to see a head with blonde hair turning out of the bathroom and closing the door. I whipped open the door to an empty dark hallway and my roommate's light in her room turned off. Needless to say, I was freaked and rushed over to my boyfriend's to stay there for the night. I didn't come back to my apartment for about a week. I finally got the nerve to come back and stay the night in my own bed. I always would sleep with the blinds drawn over my windows with one window slightly cracked for air but when I jumped awake in the middle of the night for seemingly no reason, my blinds were drawn all the way to the top. In a sleepy haze, I figured, I forgot to close them before I passed out, drew them down again and went back to sleep. I woke up three more times that night, each time the blinds were all the way up. And again, I was a scaredy cat and slept at my boyfriend's the next night. The next night I slept there, I had a dream. I was looking into my room, and all my furniture and belongings were floating an inch above the ground. In my dream, I ran to my housemaid and asked for help. She walked into my room and her eyes turned white. She threw her head back and screamed, and all my furniture flew to the ceiling. I ran out of there, jumping in my car and driving down the street. But when I turned to look at my windows from the street, I saw two dark shadows standing there looking at me. I remember driving in the dream across town to my boyfriend's and as soon as I stepped out of the car, I was back in my room. This repeated a few times. I woke up in a sweat and felt like I was being watched. After the summer ended and my housemates moved back in, I didn't have any more encounters. I would hear footsteps when no one else was home and sometimes my blinds would be in a different spot than I left them, but I no longer felt scared. I would still get creeped out by my hallway. Anytime I had friends over, someone would tell me my house is haunted, and I agree. My housemates and I were hanging out one night when I told them all of my experiences. They said they felt stuff in the house too, but never saw anything like I did. When I was moving out, I brought this up to my landlord. He said I'm not the first person to say they felt ghostly experiences never threatening, but scary. Which is how I felt. Never threatened, but definitely scared. He said it's mostly people in my room who talk about rogue footsteps, bumps in the night, and you guessed it, the blinds moving by themselves. He mentioned a couple lived in the house for over 60 years and lived in my room. Remember the two shadows in the window? He didn't say how they passed, or why they moved out, and the look on his face seemed like he really knew, but didn't want to tell me. Maybe one of them died there, maybe they both did. Regardless, the experience has greatly shaped the way I understand ghosts and energies. Before I left, I wrote a little note in my closet to respect the ghosts, and that they're not looking to hurt you, at least as far as I can tell. There were a few other minor experiences, but these are the main ones. I would see things move around corners, curtains would flutter on their own with no draft, hear ghostly voices in the night, but like I said, I never felt threatened. I always felt reverent to the spirits in the house. Sometimes it felt like I was intruding. I think if the story the landlord told me of the couple is true, they really loved the house and just wanted to stick around longer. I loved the house like it was my own, and maybe that's why she showed herself to me that night in the bathroom. I would have to agree with you, Cheetah Girl 666. If your ghostly companions were truly the former tenants who'd lived there for over 60 years, then they really loved that home to stick around after life. They must have felt the same love you held for the home and wanted to thank you for taking care of it for them. Our next story comes from Danky, whose monster energy drink-fueled sleepover took them deep into the witching hour and what lurks in that realm. Back in middle school, I had a friend. Let's call her Anne. Anne lived in a nice house, way nicer than my small apartment. So we spent the night there when we had sleepovers. There were many stories about Anne's house our other friends had told me, but I didn't pay much mind. Truthfully, I thought they were just trying to scare me. A few monster energy drinks later, it was just Anne and I sitting in her room, It's about 3 a.m. But that was normal for us in middle school. We were talking when we heard something from the kitchen. At first, it was just small noises. Clink here. A clatter there. Anna and I looked at each other confused. Her mom was asleep in her room down the hall. The dog was in there, too. And her dad worked the graveyard shift, so he wasn't even home. We then heard a deep, bellowing laugh it was loud it sounded like andre the giant just laughed in her kitchen Anne and i are both now terrified then all the pots in the house start clanging together Anne and i book it to her mom's room and try to tell her what's happening she says we're just tired and to go to bed we decided to sleep in her mom's bed with her The moment we decided to stay with her mom, the dog started to go ballistic. She is scratching at the door and barking like crazy. So her mom takes the dog outside through the sliding glass door in her room. The dog is still barking through the glass. And next thing I know, I'm laying in bed praying to God. I said, our father, more times than I can remember. And I'm not even that religious. It was just the only thing I could think of. Then we felt someone or something touch our legs. We were both frozen with fear. We had our heads under the comforters crying. Once we felt it, we both decided to look up. We could see the imprints on the comforter as it moved up. It was so slow, yet happened so fast. I can still feel it on my legs to this day. We both managed to pass out, probably from pure fear. When we woke up the next morning, I texted my mom to come get me immediately. As we waited for my mom to pick me up, we ate some breakfast. I was drinking water out of this particular glass. It was a glass, but it had a metal handle that wrapped around the glass. We can take the glass out from the metal frame by pulling the glass up and out but the shape of the glass didn't allow it to fall out the bottom of the metal frame, obviously. All of us were standing in the kitchen, including her dad, and you just see the glass I'm holding just pop out from the top and smash onto the floor. Someone would have had to push it from the bottom. We all stared at that cup for a good 30 seconds before we realized we should probably clean up the glass. After the glass broke, her mom blessed the house I never slept over again, and Anne liked to pretend it never happened. That was one active night and freaky morning, Danky. The witching hour is notorious for letting in spirits, and you certainly got something skulking around the house. It's always scary as heck when animals react to what we can't see, and Anne's dog was on extreme alert for you guys. While I'm curious what may have been in the home, I wouldn't want to go through that whole night myself. I don't blame you for never staying at Anne's house again. The next spooky tale comes from Mike, who may have accidentally opened a portal, and someone said hello from the other side. I'm going to start this by saying I am an empath, so I can pick up energy in rooms and have always been sensitive to ghosts. A while ago, when I was living at a relative's house, I started dealing with some very bizarre energy at night, particularly in the master bedroom. Shadows would move around a lot, and I would hear whispers in my ear frequently while I was laying in bed trying to sleep. I actually had to sleep in a different room to get away from it because it would get very angry whenever I was sleeping in a specific room, and I would wake up with bizarre marks on my body. I'm not sure if it was shadow people, a ghost, or a poltergeist more specifically that I was dealing with, but whatever it was, it was very hostile. I lived there for about a year and ended up moving into a new apartment right before the pandemic started. Things were pretty normal here up until the last two weeks. I could feel things getting tenser in the air, but didn't think much of it. Then I was startled awake by a grown man I had never seen standing next to my bed, who I believed wanted to harm me. It took me three hours to calm down after that because it was so realistic. He was standing between me and my mirror. I blinked a few times and he vanished, but that scared the hell out of me. So I started researching online, and it turns out that mirrors next to your bed are a big no-no because they can act as a portal to the other side. I also had that same mirror next to my bed in the old house where this activity started occurring the first time. I had seen many shadow people before since I was a kid, but this is the first time I had seen someone that was so realistic. I actually checked my apartment over after to make sure there wasn't an intruder. As a precaution, I'm going to throw away the mirror. I've also placed black tourmaline and many other protective crystals around my apartment and put some salt down in my room. But even moving the mirror to another location has seemed to lighten the energy in the bedroom tremendously hoping to completely clear out the apartment of whatever it was in the next few weeks, and I will never place a mirror next to my bed again. Well, Mike, thanks for the heads up on keeping mirrors away from the side of the bed, and I'm so sorry you had to be the one to experience it for the rest of us. I'm glad you have started to use all of the precautions available to you to stay safe. I hope as soon as you got rid of the mirror and moved places, everything became peaceful. Kafra 101 tells us of a time when a calming meditation session became a spiritual battleground. A year or so ago I was at home. It was late and my girlfriend was asleep. I was restless so I decided to walk across the road to the community garden and just chill out for a bit. The garden was managed by the primary school next door as well as volunteers who lived in the area. At the far end of the garden was a wooden teepee made with lots of long, thin branches. It looked like the perfect place to sit and meditate. I crawled into the teepee and sat quietly, trying to focus on my breathing. After a few minutes of being there, I began to feel uneasy. The sounds of the birds and animals in the trees around me seemed to intensify. The trees seemed to close in around me and it became noticeably darker. I heard a neighbor's dog begin to bark, just one deep, hollow bark at a time. This, too, began to intensify and louden. I started to feel an evil presence closing around me and the teepee. I closed my eyes because I was terrified. I could sense it above me, and it felt like it was coming in through the top of the teepee and surrounding my head like a cloud. I could feel it and hear it whispering things in my ear that I couldn't make out. I remember rushing out of the teepee and saying, no, 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 over and over again, and thinking that I had just experienced something pure evil as I was running away. It didn't follow me. The presence stopped as soon as I left the area around the teepee, but the chill and dread it gave me stayed with me until I got back into my bed, closed the door, and cuddled my girlfriend. I've been back since, and sat there day and night And it has never happened again. It's difficult to really know what happened out there with you, Kafra 101. Did your meditation accidentally open a spiritual portal? Or were you just lucky that night and happened upon a malevolent entity? Since it only happened the one time, it's hard to tell. But also I'm glad it only happened one time because that sounds like an extremely terrifying experience. Our final story comes from Gray, whose parents' nonchalant house became a friend. This happened in the winter of 2015. For context, I had just flown back home to Germany for winter break from uni in America and naturally had plenty of jet lag, coupled with a natural inclination to not go to bed until 2 or 3 in the morning at the time, like an idiot. As was often my problem when flying, I sucked at fixing my jet lag and would often be on the wrong sleep schedule for about a week. Instead of combating this with melatonin, Benadryl, hot milk, or literally any of the other thousands of methods to fall asleep, I decided listening to definitely not calm music would be the best way to lull myself to sleep. You know, like a fool. It was midnight, and like always, I was wide awake. I lay in the guest bed facing the wall, headphones in, and my eyes closed, but otherwise coherent and nowhere close to drifting off. The door to the room was closed but had enough of a gap beneath so the bright hallway light cast enough light to see where my suitcase was on the floor and so on. We kept it on for anyone at night who had unexpected bathroom needs so I was used to it being lighter than average. While laying there I felt a hard bony finger jab my shoulder twice like someone was trying to get my attention. Like a moron who was evidently way too comfortable in their own home, in the few seconds it took to roll over and face whoever needed me, not once did it occur to me that had one of my family entered the room to shake me awake, the door would not only be open, but the room would be well lit thanks to the hallway light being on instead of dim. As I turned, I saw a dark, humanoid silhouette standing over me, tall and thin and disproportionate the kind of deep dark that stood out even in a poorly lit room. It loomed over the bed and it felt like it was just staring at me. Naturally, I yelled incoherently because I had no idea who or what it was, just that something had gotten into the room without me knowing and I had zero idea how much danger I was in or was not in. I flung the blankets everywhere. I'm not sure if I was trying to hide or trying to get the figure tangled up instead but it disappeared in my pinwheeling. I could barely sleep that night, too afraid of what it might do to me if it came back for me and I was unable to react the next time. Come the morning, I told my family what had happened. My parents apologized and said, oh, sorry, yeah, someone lives in that room. They always have, we're just not sure who. We didn't think they'd bother you though. I was less than pleased by this revelation but thankfully spent the rest of my winter break with no further visitors in the middle of the night. I would, however, go on to see this same figure a few more times throughout my duration of uni, sticking its head in the door once while I was cuddling on the couch with my now ex, occasionally rummaging through my ex's and her roommate's backpacks, and kneeling beside my bed with its hands resting on the mattress like it was praying for me. I think you made a new friend that night, Gray, and one that seemed to want to protect you. Maybe the night you saw it, it was curious about who you were and was just checking you out. Maybe it felt you needed help and protection, which is why you later saw it at uni, keeping an eye on you and praying for you. It sounds to me like you got a new friend out of this experience that wanted to keep you safe. But seriously, your parents couldn't have warned you first? Well, that does it for this episode. If you'd like to submit your own personal spooky tale to be read on the show, head to hauntedpod.com and click on the link to submit your story. You can also email me at hauntedpod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast player of choice. It really does help us out. You can find us on Twitter at podcast underscore haunted. And on Instagram at It's Haunted What Now? Or you can just come see us at HauntedPod.com. Production assistance by Rebecca Lopez. Writing assistance by Sherilyn Reyes. The official composer for the show is Nico at We Talk of Dreams. Check him out on Twitter at WeTalkOfDreams or WeTalkOfDreams.com. Audio engineering provided by Chase at Gray Multimedia. Until next time, did you hear that?